Welcome to Living the Liminal Podcast. I am Christy Peck, spiritual teacher, intuitive, and author of Coming Home, A Love Story. Wouldn't it be something if you could have it all? An uncensored peace, a true joy, and an all-knowing that there is so much more to life than what our human body can see and do and experience. I invite you to join me here every week as my guests and myself have conversations around living consciously with courage, connection, and choosing to feel good even in the uncharted and unknown moments. I am so thrilled you are here and look forward to sharing this sacred space with you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Living the Liminal Show this week. I am so glad you're here. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Um, We are a great podcast for listening to just wisdom and insight based on life experiences for living in the present moment, um, such as the name Living the Liminal. Um, Our guests are just world-renowned, global, they're local, they've been doing amazing healing and work to help people and to broaden our understanding for why we are the way we are, why we have experiences the way that we do, and quite possibly what that all means. I am so excited for you to listen to my guest today. I it's another one of those moments that we just sort of came together in a very synchronistic, beautiful, loving way. And I just got the guidance to ask if she would like to be on the show. And I'm so glad that she is. I think you are really going to be amazed and energized by the kinds of things that she has to share with us, not only her experiences, but her wealth of wisdom and insight and knowledge on so many things that I think it's going to curiosity, as well as enlighten your everyday um, journey within your your life adventure. So I want to welcome today Ginger Blispenhoff, and she um, is a holistic specialist. She's a flower essence practitioner. She's an author of the coolest book I've ever just read, literally, called "In Your." It's in your face. The true you revealed, and I'm not going to tell you about it. I want us to talk about it because it just blew me away, and I can't wait to dive into that knowledge. Um, she has well, her book was published in 2011, and I'll let her tell us where it's at so that you can get it. But she has over 32 years working in in the field of really helping children, animals, adults around the world with understanding and resolving challenges, changing their lives, reaching their full potential in both the medical and the holistic fields. Um, She does a lot with kinesiology, face reading, and again, the flower essences. She has been on TV, radio, consulting with businesses, hospitals, and school systems, and speaking in a variety of venues. And I cannot wait to kind of dive into her passion and her knowledge and her expertise. Ginger, welcome to Living the Liminal Show. Thank you so much. I'm, I think I'm a little intimidated by what you just said. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so cute. No, 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 no. I was just speaking from the heart and from what Thank you shared you so and much. reading. And whew, I'm already, what, what I love about some of, some of these moments is 
when we haven't even talked and I feel like I'm already a changed person. I cannot wait to share that with the audience because this book, okay, this book is like, holy smokes. So before we dive into the book and, mm -hmm. and what It's In Your Face is really all about, tell us a little bit about how your work came to find you. What's that story behind that? It's, it's a pretty amazing story and it's, it's personal and it's professional at the same time. And um, I'll start with college because I always wanted to be a speech therapist. I wanted to work with blind and deaf and I was at the University of Maine and I was also a gymnast and that was one of my passions. And it was my freshman year of college and I was working in the gym just with my coach and um, missed the balance beam and landed on my head and woke up in the ambulance. Oh. And it was a, one of the, I, it was a it was a turning point in my life because two years later I had to leave college because I was having so many problems with my brain and I was passing out and I had so much pain. I said something's really really wrong, and I ended up um, at a Boston hospital uh, with a neurosurgeon who back then did pretty barbaric medical tests and said, "Well, you're just going to be living with pain for the rest of your life and you're going to be on drugs." And I was 20 years old. Wow. And um, meanwhile, you know, I left college, but I applied to nursing school. I don't even know why to this day. My mother was so surprised. She goes, but you've always gagged at everything. <laughs> you know, I anyway, I went to nursing school and day one of, of nursing school, my professor said, you're going to learn to take care of the biopsychosocial needs of your patients. And that just really hit home and made sense to me. And you do a nursing school. And I was still living with chronic pain. And I get out into the world and you don't get to take care of the biopsychosocial needs of your patients. No. Extremely frustrating. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and I was still living with chronic pain 24 seven. And it wasn't until I'd left nursing, excuse me, I have a little drink of water. And I've worked in the corporate world and Johnson Johnson company writing their wellness programs. And, um, I had to leave. I couldn't work with this woman who was my boss. Had no plan. And my my um, aunt, Anya, who's also a nurse, said, well, you have to go see Lillian and let's go to California and study kinesiology. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. I had a little tickle in my throat. Oh, it's fine. And I didn't know what it was. This was the 80s. Everything was considered kind of woo-woo back then. Right. And Lillian, my original facilitator, excuse me, said, um, how can I help you? And I said, well, I have, you know, chronic head pain, but there's no cure. And she said, why don't we muscle test and ask? And I didn't even know what she meant. But in that moment, she said, well, your body doesn't buy that. And I don't know what she said after that, because I heard you have a choice. And I had not been given a choice up to that point. And in that moment, it changed my life personally. It led me on the path to then professionally be able to help people heal. You know, and heal chronic issues like I had. I thought I would live the rest of my life like that. And I had missed a lot of days, weeks, months, years up to that point. You know, and I'm now an elder and um, I don't live with chronic head pain or take meds. That's it changed amazing. my life. Yeah, 
So you consider muscle testing, you call it a biofeedback tool. Tell us what you mean by that. Yes. One of the things that frustrated me so much when I worked in the hospital was the fact that we had so many repeat patients and we were just always guessing. And yeah. I kept thinking there's got to be a better way. Um, and even when I was head nurse on the cardiac unit, I went to the director of nursing and I said, would you let me do a home visit on some of these patients to see what we're missing? And she allowed me to do that. And my conclusion was, I don't know what we're missing. So when I discovered muscle testing, I'm like, well, this is what we were missing because muscle testing is simply a biofeedback tool. It's just a tool that allows me to have access to your body wisdom, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, which goes back to day one of nursing school. You know, muscle testing allows me to take care of and focus on the biopsychosocial needs, on be able to focus on you from all perspectives at the same time and really get to cellular level, the subconscious, really bypass the conscious mind and have a tool that allows your body to be the authority. I tell all my clients, once we connect energetically and because I work on the phone, I muscle test myself. Originally I didn't, but I do now. Muscle test myself for who I'm working with. And I tell everyone, we're going to connect and work as a team. You're going to be the authority of your session. I'm using a tool, a biofeedback tool to be able to get information you know, from your body wisdom. What I love about it, and I also say to my clients, I don't care what the medical books say. I don't care what my books say. Let's see what your body needs for healing, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, and or spiritually, all of the above, or something new and different. And I learned something new every day, every single day. Yeah, when you and I had a session a while back, it was months and months ago, I was amazed at some of the stuff that came up for two reasons. One, some of it was feelings, emotions, and, and like imaginations that I had had, but I mm -hmm. couldn't attach it to anything substantial. Mm -hmm. It just seemed to be sort of floating in my, you know, around me and in my body. And I couldn't really grasp like this concrete understanding of it. And then you and I worked together and I was amazed. You just put the language to it. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty mm -hmm. profound. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that was so amazing about it is you opened up what I call pathways for deeper healing for me, which what I consider that to be is just acceptance and, and loving awareness and mm -hmm. honoring exactly who I am, not what the books say or what my past dictates or conditioned I've had, you know, conditioning I've had through mm -hmm. my upbringing or mm -hmm. through my schooling or whatever. So I thought, yeah, when you got into the body, it was almost like my body was trying to tell me, but my understanding and my body weren't connecting very well. Our language was just so different that I hadn't really been able to put that. And you opened up a way for me to now have those conversations with my body. One thing I really love, I really feel like a big part of what I do is, is, is be a cheerleader for people because yeah. everyone needs to hear something positive and, and get some validation mm -hmm. what they already know about themselves but they're questioning or someone told them that you know why would you think that way and that's what I love about muscle testing is that 
as we're working as a team, your body is telling me what to share back with you. And I love telling the story. I love putting the pieces, finding the pieces, first of all, yeah. and then seeing how they fit. Because many people ahead of time will give me a list of their concerns. Mm -hmm. And often the list of concerns are symptoms. And helps though to kind of find that common thread. There is a common thread behind so many of the things that we're thinking about and want to clear. And we might not see how this one thought or this one symptom has anything to do with number 10 on the list, but there's always a common thread. And I love telling the story and finding those pieces and putting them together. Yeah, it just felt like such a gift and, and it was filled with so much care and comfort and it, it was the wildest experience I've ever had in the healing world. I have to say that it just sort of, like I said, it opened me up to, wow, and begin to really trust my own instincts that yes. maybe I yes. had forgotten, right? Because our body holds this incredible amount of wisdom. Mm -hmm. and yet somewhere along the way, we were sort of conditioned to not listen to it. Exactly. And to not honor what it was telling us and to go outside of ourselves, right? To the to yes. the traditional medicine way that we we have we have created, right? A world of traditional medicine that is like go to the doctor, get the medicine, mm -hmm. do some testing, see what the testing shows. Right. And sometimes it doesn't really give you the insights you're looking for. So I think it really opened me up to trusting my own instinct. And quite honestly, that's really the reason for muscle testing is, first of all, is I think help people start to develop that trust of their own awareness to really attune to what their body wisdom is saying. And that's what I love about it so much is sometimes what I hear, I'll get information and say, this is you know what I'm getting. Does this make sense? And someone will say to me, if I could, if I could have put words to it, that's exactly what I would have said, but I didn't know how to explain it. And yeah. it's just, so I really have to have a conversation with your higher self, you know, with your body wisdom. And, and because I really don't know most of my clients, I don't know your history, your body wisdom does. So mm -hmm. um, I'm just, I'm really feeding back information that I'm getting directly from your body wisdom that serves you. It may not serve anyone else, but it serves you. And that's the part I love. And I think because so many of us have had struggles because we're here having a human experience, mm -hmm. work, work is very gentle. So many of my clients have what I call high diving board sessions, but they really just kind yeah. of, they jump in and go right to root cause mm -hmm. and do it gently with a great deal of, it's very powerful. And I think the gentleness and the power is part of the healing. Because if you can take a lifetime of struggle and in an hour, get really valuable information and clear it on a cellular level in a really gentle way, that alone is powerful, is to start to discover right. how to be gentle with yourself in the process of living this human experience. Yeah, so just for our listeners who are not aware of maybe some of the language we're using today, when you talk about conscious and, and subconscious, unconscious mind, what do you mean by that? Okay, 
Um, one way of looking at it, if you think about an iceberg and you see a little section of the ice above the water level, consider that your conscious mind. 95% of what runs the show is underneath the water. And that would be our subconscious. There's so much, the part of our brain, the left occipital area of the brain, it's called the CIA, the common integrative area. And it's the part of the brain that stores everything. All of our experiences, our fears, our fear of fear, pain, fear of pain, our perceptions, our judgments. And that kind of runs the show. And so much of what goes on in a session really is being able to talk to that part of the brain and say, that's not working anymore. Let's rewire the brain uh, so that you can come from a perception that works for you, that's healing for you, that is your truth, that works for you and allows you to move forward in a totally new, healthy way. So... So let's break this down a little further. Mm -hmm. Let's say um, I go through an experience. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm involved in an experience at, at any age, but then we can go back and decide if it's different at different ages. But let's mm -hmm. say I go through an experience and when we go through an experience, our body really is feeling it first, correct? Mm -hmm. And then it goes into that CIA part. Am I correct? Yes, and a lot depends, too, on how much energy is associated with that. Is there, a, is there emotion associated with it? Is it a big emotion? Is it a huge negative emotional attachment? Because that will play a big role in how much it affects us later on in life. So as I'm going through an experience, how much energy is attached to emotion that is attached to that experience, whether it's in the present or whether it's attached to something in the past mm -hmm. that's bigger, little, or even mediocre, right. that will have an effect on kind of how I file it into that CIA area? Yes, okay. exactly, exactly. Okay. I work with a lot of energies. One way of looking at it is reverberation energy. For example, um, you know, if you go and you ring a bell or hit a gong, and then you stop hitting it, you can still feel the energy, you can still feel it vibrating. And that happens in our body as well. We may have already done some healing work, but there's still something that's still kind of ringing and can get triggered at any point because we haven't completely resolved it. It's still there. And that part of our brain wants to really keep us there. It becomes the comfort zone. I'm doing air quotes. Um, yeah. Um, and we want to be able to go back and rewire that experience so that we have a new message. Really, it's called the broadcast message, where we are actually broadcasting uh, the universe, really a whole new way of perceiving our story. Once we clear the emotional attachment to it, that can hold us in that story for a very long time. So when we attach a new meaning to the experience, and we mm -hmm. and you and I refer to that as a new story, right? Because yes. we're living out the story mm -hmm. as a human. Right. When you attach a new emotion to it and a new meaning through that emotion, mm -hmm. it changes the vibrational energy around it. Am I correct? Yes, it does. Absolutely. And then yes. that helps you to begin to behave, and I'm using air quotes too, in terms of behave, create <laughs> right. new actions that are more 
healthier to a healthier perspective mm -hmm. of your entire life. I'll say to a lot of clients, the only thing that may happen in this session is a perceptual shift. And I'll go back to my very first experience meeting Lillian Poston, my original facilitator. And she said, you know, how can I help you? And when she muscle tested and said, your body wisdom doesn't believe that there is no cure, doesn't believe that that's the way you have to live your life. And that split second, this day, I don't know what she said after that. I just remember like yesterday, I heard, I have a choice. In that split second, I went from, I don't have a choice. I'm gonna have to live with pain for the rest of my life to, oh my goodness, I've been told I have a choice. I didn't know what the choice was, but in that fraction of a second, my whole perception of my future changed. It was did you feel that? Did you feel that shift in your body or was it just sort of? It was like, um, it was like fireworks went off. And again, I have no idea what she said after that because I just heard, I have a choice, I have a choice, I have a choice. No one gave me a choice. What's my choice? Now I had homework to do for eight weeks. And what I know now, was that I was given some brain hemisphere integration homework, which at the time I thought was kind of silly. And I would go into the bathroom to do it. So no one saw me ah. keeping in mind, this is the eighties and everything was considered woo woo. Yeah. It was educational kinesiology based on a PhD educator and a neurologist who looked at the brain and learning. I didn't get that at the point. So eight weeks, I did my homework faithfully. And what happened was as I would look back, I would say, I had a day last week without pain. The pain came back, but I had a day without it. And then I had two days. And as time went on, I said, oh my goodness, something is literally changing in my brain. You know, I was having less and less pain and I still didn't understand how it all worked. I hadn't started studying yet, but my life was changing. Yeah. And it only takes a fraction of a second for some people to have their life changed. I, I love that story because I think so many of us need to feel empowered in our own mm -hmm. bodies and our own life experiences that, and, and I, and I think this is your, your tagline. You talked about it a minute ago, and that is you are the only source of information you. about you. Yes. about you like you yes. are you and you know everything about you and you determine everything about you and you decide everything about you and mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean we can't have the influence of medical practitioners in any way oh, absolutely healing mm -hmm. practitioners or coaches and mentors it just mm -hmm. means that our bodies are so wired to be strong mm -hmm. and capable and wise yes. Yes. And somewhere along the line, we've forgotten that. And I feel like that's a huge energy shift in our world is that we're starting to remember that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and even to switch gears for one moment um, of a profound change that will happen when I'm doing a face reading yeah. analysis. And one of the key traits that changes someone's life in a split second, and I get to watch it, is when I talk about... Um, emotional expressiveness eyes and, and someone can just pick up a mirror and look in and see when you're looking at your eyes do you see more of the 
color of your eye or is there more white showing? And so many of the clients who I work with are just all color. I see very little white. They have emotional expressiveness eyes, which means that they are their emotions. They feel things on a really deep level. And for most of them, they've grown up being told Stop crying. You're so sensitive. You need to toughen up. And I say, no, you don't. This is who, this is innately who you are. Just keep a box of tissues with you because you will cry at a Hallmark commercial. Oh my gosh. You'll cry at everything. Anything. anything. everything. And it's who you are. And I said, embrace it, own it. This is who you are. And you know what? In that moment, people start to cry. When I tell them that, I'm like, you feel everything on a deep level. It's who you are. Don't change it for anyone. And, it, and I still have people who I've known for years who will say, it changed my life. When you told me that, of course I cried. And um, it changed my life because I no longer tone it down. I no longer hold or, or stuff my emotions. I just allow them to flow. And And the thing that's so wonderful about that is that now authentic don't have to pretend to be someone who they're not and people love them because they're real they you know you can you can be a friend to someone who has great emotional expressiveness eyes not be able to be that emotional yourself you know that what you're getting is real yeah Okay, so I want to I want to just go back for one second to give the name of your books, and then okay. we're gonna we're gonna dive in there because there's so much good stuff in this book. But the I thing did, mm -hmm. I was just like, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yes. So the title of your book is "It's in Your Face: The True You Revealed." Yes. So how did this baby come alive? Because it is, it's amazing. I mean, it is filled with a wealth of like very simplistic. Mm -hmm. blow your mind kind of stuff well and that is my style here's what's really funny is for 20 years you know, I'd, I'd go to see an intuitive or have a reading and they would say oh your guides tell us you're writing a book I said oh you tell my guides no I'm not writing a book because <laughs> in, in my mind a book was a novel yeah people who know me and my structures know I am concise I'm to the point I'm not flowery with words. In fact, I have a lot of friends who have been writing and will send me stuff and say, can you make this more precise? Oh, absolutely I can. So I kept saying, oh no, you tell my guides I am not writing. Ah. So then the day came, my little voice said to me, why don't you just write it in your own style? Hello? Um, three months later, it was done. Um, now to backtrack, when I went out to California originally to study Kinesiology to study muscle testing. One of my instructors uh, was Daniel Whiteside. Okay. Fascinating guy. He's on the other side now, but I talk to him all the time. Um, yeah. Daniel's parents had had the School of Personology where they did a five year research study with over 5,000 people on specific facial traits and how people actually function. And based on past study of the brain and facial structures, over hundreds of years. And Daniel met Gordon Stokes, my other wonderful facilitator who used to be the educational director at Touch for Health. Yeah. And they met and formed three in one concepts where I studied. Well, Daniel um, loved uh, face reading. It's called structure 
function, looking at the structures on our face and how do we function. And through muscle testing, we looked at structures that were 99% accurate. Yeah. Uh, Daniel's parents were willing to go have 96% accuracy they wanted more. And when I first studied, well, let me tell you the story. So my aunt Sonia and I arrive in Burbank, California, our first day, our first class. And there's a man getting out of a car in front of three in one concepts, very mm-hmm. tall, thin, long, curly hair, very attractive. And I said to Sonia, I don't want him near me. She said, you don't even know him. And, and there were already like sparks flying between us. And Gordon Stokes was teaching that day and he kept referring, and I knew nothing about this at the time, about structures. And he kept referring to my structures and Robert's structures and Sonia sitting between us and she feels these fireworks <laughs> And Gordon says, and this was so not my character, he said, if you two were married, and I looked at Robert and I said, we'd kill each other. And Sonia, who was my, just my twin soul, she was like my sister, yeah. says, what is going on with you two? Well, Robert, someone in class and said, would you please muscle test me and see what the deal is with Ginger? I said to Sonia, would you please muscle test me and find out what's going on with Robert? And it was a structure that I had that was triggering an emotional response with him that had to do with the mother of his child. He never had a name, which was interesting. Wow. So now flash forward two weeks forward, we're still there studying. And the day came and I said, Sonia, I'm not going to class. I'm going to skip class today. <laughs> and she said, oh, you will be fine. I've got the tissues. Let's go. I said, I'll go only if Robert works on me, he's the only one I trust. Now, everyone in class had watched this evolution of the two of us, couldn't even be in the same room together to now we were best friends. Because we had cleared whatever it was that was triggering that response. I'd never met him before and he was from Switzerland. Um, I'm, you know, from New Hampshire. So- um, That is amazing. Fascinating, fascinating. fascinating. And I saw okay. the two worlds come together. So, yeah. so long and short, I just started studying and studying and studying and taking advanced course in face reading. And then I finally put it, I wrote it in my own way, the way I would teach a class. Well, I love it because it's, it's simple, right? So it's mm-hmm. almost yes. like a reference book. Mm-hmm. And yet it's filled with so much like reflective, it's very reflective in nature. So it allows you to sort of like learn it. Mm -hmm. And then I almost feel like it's kind of fun, like a coloring book at the same time, because I'm looking at all these facial features that you're showing and I'm connecting them and I'm trying to understand. But I will say at the very end, I was like, oh, that's who I am. And that's Mm -hmm. why I am the way. And my husband, I was on the deck reading and my husband walked out and he's like, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm learning all about you and I and why sometimes <laughs> like we don't get along or why yes. like you are the way you are. And he just goes, oh no, that's not good. But it it was very, I mean, eye-opening. Mm-hmm. I'm laughing at my terminology. I know. It, it just was very life-opening in a way that's written in such, I have sticky notes all over it. The listeners can't, but I'm that's showing funny. Because well, I have, and- like, all these little things I want to talk about. And I'm married to my textbook opposite. I've been married for 44 years. And 
And goodness, I finally learned this because I think I used to drive my husband crazy. Oh, I may still do that at times, but we are so different. And yet, and he loves this. He's an engineer, but he just loves this stuff. And one of the things that's happened, because we are extremes in so many areas, we've found a wonderful middle ground. I've learned, I've learned so many things from his yeah. and he's learned yeah. a lot from me. And so we've found really a nice balance. Well, because you say 99% of transformation is awareness. So yes. when you're talking about, and, and I think right now in our world today, we're very much in need of a transformation, right? Yes. We are. How we socially get along, how we mm -hmm. um, get along in in the larger space of like mm -hmm. jobs and work and and priorities and equalities and, mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. So and, and even health wise, I mean, we're learning, we're changing health wise too, yes. right? We look at health. And so when you say 99% of transformation is awareness, that just kind of was so interesting to me. Mm -hmm. So where did you where did that come from? How did you how do you know that? Well, I just, as I see it day in and day out, uh, whether it's going over a, a, a facial structure with someone, getting a specific emotion or emotional compound and someone goes, oh, that makes so much sense. And you can just see light go on and yeah. that awareness and, oh, now I know what to do. And solution creates itself. Like when we get that aha moment we have that epiphany and go oh that's what I need to do and it can be that simple do you find that that a person has to be ready to have that kind of awareness it, it certainly helps and um I'm very fortunate in that and I don't know if I've sent this intention out or I get people who are more than ready and okay they show up and I am amazed every day at how much they let go of in a short period of time and how quickly their life changes because they're ready. And only, there's only been a couple of occasions where I've actually said to someone, are you actually really want to work with me or are you doing it to make somebody else happy because I said if you're if it's not your choice I'm not going to work with you today because it's too hard for you it's too hard for me and if you tell me it's it's not the right day or time I'm not going to be offended by that I'd rather have you wait until it is the right time I have to say probably 99% of the time people who have a session with me are ready or have been ready for a while okay okay because I find that sometimes when we talk about awareness it's sort of like you either get this blind sided face of like glass over where they have mm -hmm. no idea what you're talking about mm -hmm. or you get someone that like you said are so eager to know more and more yes. and more and more and they're taking a look at all the parts of their life and they're mm -hmm. they're excited and anxious excitement about yes understanding more and getting to the roots of things and yes and things i think and i think that the best part is that it's coming from your body wisdom is not coming from me. I'm not telling you what to do. And we're kind of mm -hmm. used to that in our culture. We're used to having all of these authorities, and I will do air quotes again, um, who tell us what they think we should do. Right. And 
that's what I love about muscle testing. It's what I love about face reading is that your story and who you are is written on your face. When I muscle test, I get to tap into all of you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, what makes you pick what's working, what isn't working. It doesn't matter what works for me. I have to leave all my stuff outside the door, which I do. And um, neutral. I, I don't know ahead of time where a session is going to go, which is fun for me. Yeah, totally. I mean, that just, so, so I want to keep diving in because sure. you, you talk about first, second, third stage of stress. Yes. Is that something that just we acquire through experiences or is that something that also can completely change our physiology based on trauma or because yes. I know a lot of people are going through very traumatic experiences yes. recently. So let me, I'll review that. Um, um, and sometimes it physically shows up on someone's face. Other times it is rather hidden, but I'll just go over the different stages because it's helpful for anyone listening. Yeah. Um, the first stage stress, all of us have experienced when you're just wiped out, you didn't drink enough water, you missed lunch, you didn't get a good night's sleep last night. You know how we just, we'll just kind of stare off into space and our eyes get a little glassy and our skin gets a little oily. And that's more of an acute stress that we're experiencing. And if, you know, we hydrate, we have a good meal, we have a good night's sleep, and we're kind of ready to go the next day. Second stage stress, this is bizarre. And I've experienced this, I can tell a story. Second stage stress is when a stressor has been going on for a period of time, like days, weeks, months. Mm -hmm. And depending on which brain hemisphere is involved, okay. the opposite eye, the muscles of the eye will start to pull the eye up so that when you're looking straight ahead, you'll see a lot of white underneath one eye. So think about that. One eye is looking straight ahead and the yeah. other eye has gotten pulled up. So your depth perception is off. You are an accident waiting to happen. And I can remember experiencing that for real. I didn't realize this. I was in second stage stress. I was an ice dancer and I went down to the rink to skate with my partner. And I felt like I put my skates on the wrong feet. Now these were custom skates. So there was no way I could put them on the wrong feet. And I got on the ice and I just, I just couldn't make anything happen. And I said to my partner, you know what? I'm going to take my skates off and go home, take a break. And I got home and looked in the mirror and I went, I had no business driving the car. I had one eye that was pulled up. I was in second stage stress. I don't even remember why. It was the weirdest feeling. It was not safe really for me to be driving because my depth perception was off. It's a very scary place. And it's someone who really needs to some help right away right. with whatever the stressor may be. Third stage stress is really spooky to look at. When someone is in third stage stress, they're looking straight at you, but the muscles of, of their eyes are pulling the eyes upward and there's just a lot of white showing under the eyes. Um, you can often see this, especially when politicians have been campaigning for a year or so, which I certainly couldn't do, and they're just white. Out. And you'll see a lot of third stage stress often right before the election. Um, and that's someone who definitely needs to care of themselves immediately. So how do these things happen in our body? I, I feel like we might be having listeners who are kind of wondering, like, okay. I know we're all energy. Okay. We've mm -hmm. talked about that on the show quite a lot. Right. right. So how do these things begin to, to 
transform themselves within us. Well, let me tell you something interesting. I think it's interesting. Our eyes are the only part of our brain that's outside of our body. We just, I find that fascinating. A little weird. Our eyes, our eyes are part of our brain and it's outside of our body. Now here's something else. We feel with our eyes. We think with our ears. Every mom has said to their kids, turn the music down. I can't hear myself think. And we feel with our eyes. So our brain and our eyes are one and the same. So if we are going through something emotional, and we've all felt this where our eyes feel like they've got sand in them or our eye starts to get a little thick in it or, or we end up in first, second or third stage stress. The, um, the, the muscles are part of the eyes, which are part of the brain. So if our eyes hurt, our brain hurts. Think about times when you're, you're, you've had a really emotional situation. Now you've got a headache. Yeah, your eyes hurt. It's all tied in. So, so much of the work that I do, and when I used to have clients coming into my office, it would be interesting. I would say at the end of the session, you have to go in and look, look in the mirror because your eyes are totally different than when you first came in. Wow. Because they've been able to release some of that emotion that they were holding in their eyes. And every single eye position around the clock tells a different story. That is so fascinating that is very fascinating i mean just just thinking about that you know you always you always know that the body has the wisdom and it can communicate to us Mm -hmm. now you're kind of opening up this understanding of it can also communicate to others what's going on that's without even which i think as you're talking my mind is kind of swirling around we're in this huge pandemic where we're wearing Mm -hmm. masks and everyone's so concerned that we can't communicate and yet I'm listening to you and I'm like, we can communicate a lot mm-hmm. if we tune into the better part of the body being very wise mm-hmm. in this way. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely having to communicate differently. Here's something I will say too. Here's a little tip, um, which is helpful since we are wearing masks, is when I'm working with couples and they say, we're having communication issues. I don't look at the lip structure, I look at the eyelids. And this is something that's very yeah. helpful that can really help with communication right now where um, you know we are still wearing masks a lot. Eyelids have, can make or break a relationship and I can speak to that directly because my husband and I have different eyelids. So <laughs> we talk about extremes um, yeah. and a lot of people right in the middle. Like I like when my eyes are open, I have exposed eyelids and I can do a lot of makeup and stuff if I want to. So I am I'm the Nike ad. I, I want it five minutes ago. I'm the one standing in line, tapping my toe going, oh, I wish this line would move faster. You know, yeah. it's like, let's go, let's go, let's do it. The opposite is someone with what's called epicanthic folds. When the eyelid goes up into the eye socket and you see more of a flap of skin. Okay. And this is someone who is really involved with intellectual justification. I, the worst thing I used to do to my husband is I would be talking, talking, and go, what do you think? <laughs> oh my, I'm laughing because I do the same thing to my husband and he hates yes, it. Yes, absolute silence. So now <laughs> I'm not real happy. You hear me? Yes. 
Um, and this was before I'd studied this. And I took it personally until I started studying and went, oh my goodness, he's thinking. He's th he wants to give me a good answer. So now I have such an understanding and respect for someone who is different than me, who is a processor. I would rather wait and give someone with epicanthic folds time to really consider the question I just asked. Yeah. Maybe they have to do some research. Maybe they need to just step back and think for a few minutes. I would rather wait for a really good answer and have them just tell me whatever they think I want to hear to get me off their back. Yes. And I, I loved that part of the book too, because I was laughing about that, <laughs> thinking about oh my gosh, I can just hear my husband and I doing the same kinds of things because I'll say, well, what do you think? I'm saying stuff to you. What do you think? And he'll yes. just look at me and almost shake his head like he doesn't, but he doesn't say, I'm not thinking. He just looks at me and shakes his head and I'm like, oh, he's so frustrating to talk to. Yes. And now you're making me laugh because it's not really that. It's just, I'm, I mean, yeah. He is styles. Yes, and it's interesting. And you'll see these styles in career choices, like my husband is an engineer. Yeah. He wanted an engineer to do some thinking before they come to a conclusion in right. whatever field they may be in. Um, I I have learned so much from him. Now, I, I'm not going to think as long as <laughs> that's just not my nature. I'm going to quickly, you know, think through something you know, very quickly, as a matter of fact. Um, and I've taught him you know, how, how to kind of speed up that thinking. However, here's what's so interesting. It's sort of like Enneagrams or anything that we get into. There's a healthy place for us to be. Right. And there's an unhealthy place. Right. For me, with exposed eyelids, I can use action as an excuse for not thinking. You know, I'm the headless chicken out there running around getting stuff done. I look pretty busy. Um, yeah. Epicanthic fold, my husband can use thinking as an excuse not to take action. Yeah. Quite honestly, when you have the extremes together, you really are wonderful for each other because you keep each other on task. Um, yeah. You know, he can say, well, have you thought about what you're doing? Oh, no. I could say to him, well, you've been thinking long enough. Let's do something. You know, let's have a plan. Um, so, you, you know, you pull those two extremes together. Right. And really can work nicely, especially in a business setting. You do want to have people with different structures to offer yeah. their you expertise. You want that diverse. You want that diversity yes. with a team or a business yes. or a company. So I think when you start to look at who you're hiring in or who you're putting exactly. on teams, look for some of those features so that you have that diversity because you'll exactly. have a wealth of of, of of stuff to work with mm -hmm. when you're doing your productivity and your and your creativity. Yes, yes. And, and these days we pretty much have you know eyes and eyebrows. We can learn a lot just by looking at those structures. Like like yeah. I have very close set eyes, so I'm very detail oriented. Mm -hmm. um, so I I actually had a partner I work for myself but I would want someone with wider set eyes who can see the bigger picture and look into the future and and because yeah, someone will say to me are you going to be doing a workshop in the fall I'm like the fall yeah. it's April <laughs> you know it's like I'm just so focused on what I'm doing today you know well and I think what's so interesting about your book 
is that it, it gives you insight into who you are, but it makes you, or it helps you understand more of who you are based yes. on just these features of you, right? So yes. it's like, it's like honoring these features of you and yes. not wondering, oh, well, is that a bad trait? Where did that come from? Should I analyze right. that some more? And then we send to tend to judge it. And right. this is sort of, it sort of is what it is. Like there's this, no good or bad. It's, this is where your you story is. Who you are. And I love how yep. you give so much reflective um, in, in ways within the book to question and to learn about yourself some more and to ask yourself question. But the one story I want you to share because it's hilarious because I can see so many people doing this. Your aunt Sonia, when you guys were in the training uh, and with the Randy, tell yes. us the story because I see so many of us that mm -hmm. it's like we have these outward behaviors yes. and then we sort of get very confused about who we are when we're having feelings and emotions about things because they're contradictory. Yes, it was a bit, that was interesting. We were studying in New York and we were studying um, eyebrow height versus, uh, you know, lower set eyebrows. And when someone has higher set eyebrows over the eye aperture, someone who really needs space, they need to get to know you. Because these days, like everyone wants to hug everyone which well, right. we can't, haven't been able to do with COVID. Right. But, um, it was COVID We're going to want to do it more once COVID releases itself, correct? I know. It's so long. Well, it was so funny because um, we were learning about this structure and Sonia, who had very high, high set eyebrows said, I just don't buy this because, um, you know, I'm very informal and I hug everybody and she's going on talking. And Ross got up, our instructor, and walked right into her space and she backed up and she said, oh, but I like you. He said, but you didn't invite me into your space. And he said, I'd be willing to bet that you go, you initiate hugs. And I said, Sonia, he is absolutely right. And I, very similar, I had one of my students um, came over from China and she has very high set eyebrows. And she's married to a French Canadian. Now, my best friend, French Canadian, and the whole thing, you get hugged no matter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just part of the culture. Yeah. And she said to me, I can't handle it. When I walk into family gatherings with his family, they all want to hug me. And I said, Would you be comfortable picking the people you are most comfortable with going up? You know, you're going to get hugged. Pick the ones you're most comfortable with, go up to them, hug them first, you know, bring them into your space. She goes, oh, I could do that. And I saw her recently and she said, that helped me so much to be more, I could pick who I was most comfortable with to start the process of hugs um, because she That's needed that space. Yeah, yeah. I know that I have had people, I will say to people, I'm so um, shy. And they'll mm -hmm. say, you, you're not shy. I see mm -hmm. you out. You're, you just talk to anybody. You just go about, you make yourself at all. No, you're not shy. And when I read this part of the book, it made me think of that because yes. I am shy. I'm very quiet. I am very mm -hmm. shy. 
it's it's a different people don't often understand it but so when i'm going into a space with a lot of people that i don't know uh -huh. i tend to hover on the outside for a while mm -hmm. until one i can find somebody i know and yes. then I go directly to them and then i gain the comfort before i start networking out yes. or i have to take someone with me that yes. is sort of like helps me get too comfortable right well people will say to me no no i've never seen you do that i'm like you're not watching very carefully but when mm -hmm. I invite people out to dinner, or if mm -hmm. I invite people over, it's a totally different thing. Yes. yes. So I'm that's the same way. You think of that. I have higher set eyebrows. I'm very shy. Um, people don't believe that because if they've seen me in a teaching situation or work, I'm passionate about what I do. So, you know, I have a lot of energy and I'm excited. If I have to go and mingle afterwards, I'm nope. not comfortable in that setting like, at all. Am, and I have never completely understood why I'm like that because mm -hmm. I can get up in front like of loads of people. Me and too. I have done mm -hmm. speaking engagements like yourself where I am up in front of hundreds and hundreds of people mm -hmm. giving mm -hmm. trainings and talking and, and I don't have a problem. I am yep. like, I don't like, right? But the minute I have to go into something where I don't, it's a different me and I'm uncomfortable yes. and I just want to slide out. I don't want to be there. Yes. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back to my room. I'm tired, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. People yes. don't understand that. Right. So I thought that part of the book was very fascinating. Mm -hmm. and, and really the entire book is, but that really resonated because I think there's a lot of us that get this mm -hmm. mixed message yes. between our behavior and maybe how we're feeling. And we, we can't quite mesh the two together in a very yes. aligned cohesive manner for, for balance yes and the and one of the traits that you lead with you have a very long philtrum the philtrum is that rid that groove from the bottom of the nose to the top of the lip yeah and yours is longer which means that you are someone who is a wonderful coach mentor you can be very impartial mm -hmm. and so that's a lot of what you lead with and so and that's something that you're good at and excited about and so they can overlook the eyebrow structure and the space because when you're in that coaching mentoring space that's who you are right right and you're comfortable with that yeah that's so interesting toward the end of the book you talk about different features that Maybe we're born with some one way, but then we mm -hmm. develop some mm -hmm. later. And it made me kind of wonder yes. about the whole idea of people that have grown up in trauma or, mm -hmm. or toxic situations, or even who are currently in yes. traumatic, toxic situations, because a lot of people are right now. So yes. talk to us about that. Like, where does that fit in with, with some of this book? It's a really good question. And when I... When I'm teaching face reading, I'll often have people bring pictures from their baby pictures, early childhood, teenage years, if they have them, you know, early adult, because it's very interesting to look at who you were as a baby and the structures that you started with. Yeah. And it's often in teenage years when a lot of structures will change, especially if a teenager is going through a really difficult situation, mm -hmm. not given tools to handle it, is traumatic, structures will start to change. Okay. Um, 
we can also, here's what's so interesting is that we can start out with our baby structures. They can change during adolescence, especially lip structures, even eyelids, bridge and tip of the nose, a lot of structures will change. Yeah. And even if we've been through a great deal of trauma or struggle, as you release what has been held into the body, and there's so many reflex points on our face, your face will start to relax and you may even go back to the original structures that you had as a child. It's fascinating to watch people's faces change. Because wow. Wow. we hold so much. I'll give you an example. When I was out on the Queen Mary years ago, it was a, a gala for kinesiologists around the world who had studied at 301 Concepts. And there were two women from Australia who did facial, um, facial, what do they call it? was like a relaxation. Well, I, I had a session and all they did was whole different acupressure points on the face. Yeah. And they also tied it into face reading as well. But I have never been so relaxed in my entire life. Wow. Just by simply holding points where we tend to hold a great deal of stress and emotion. And then when you bring in the Eastern understanding of meridians and energy pathways that travel through the face. And when you can let go of the emotions that are connected or what we've held on to, our face starts to change. Wow. It's fascinating to watch. And um, I mean, my husband has grown lips. He had very thin lips. He said, he said, I want to be more like you. And I said, why? He said, I want to be more spontaneous and I want to be more expressive. I said, okay, you know, and he chose that because he'll work around that. And he's actually grown lips and he's quite expressive now. Well, okay. So as you're talking, I'm completely having this moment here, this aha, because, which I know you love when people have ahas, but uh -huh. so a couple of years ago, I wrote a book about my very beginning spiritual awakening and how mm -hmm. it, how it came to be. And shortly after I finished the book, it was like the universe sent me right into a deeper healing that I had ever experienced before ever. And within that, I, my entire physical body changed. I packed on huge amounts of weight, but what I have noticed more than anything is parts of my face were different. Mm -hmm. My lips got thinner my nose got thinner and longer. My mm -hmm. eyes got real, like, like smaller. My mm -hmm. eyebrows kind of started going like things that I was like, I, this, I'm just ha literally having this moment as we're talking mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you're saying all this. And I'm like, but mm -hmm. I was releasing a mm -hmm. lot of toxicity and trauma yes. and I've been working through it emotionally. Mm -hmm. So just as you say that the other day, I was kind of looking in the mirror going, things kind of look a little different today. It was the first time I've noticed it. Mm -hmm. So I'm literally having this huge aha as you're talking, because yes. I think that that's hope for a lot of our listeners mm -hmm. to know that if you're starting to go through something, right, and you're experiencing mm -hmm. something and you think, oh my gosh, something is changing in me, it quite possibly is your body is either holding on or releasing or working through emotions yes. that you've never before. And that's where I think we need to give ourselves such 
peace and, and understanding and compassion for mm -hmm. going through that journey. That's permission. Permission to go through it in the way that your body needs to go through it. And everybody's different. I mean, some people have their epiphany and all of a sudden they're off and running and others, it's a process. And yeah. I think that, and that's what I felt the difference between a holistic approach versus you know, our Western medical approach is that not handing out band-aids. It's a process and it does involve work. Mm -hmm. um, and you really you have to be ready for that. And not everyone is. When the time is right, people are ready and they can go through it very quickly. Right. But there's, there's a lot of steps. And goes back to that onion. We're always peeling those layers to get through oh that onion. The, the whole <laughs> image of the onion. I'm, I'm ready to take onions and throw them I know. We need another image of that. But um, Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Okay. Last thing I'm going to talk to you about in this okay. book, because it, it just sent chills down me, is you have a favorite quote from John Gray that you love. Do you remember what that is? Which one is, which one did I put? I put so many quotes in which one. <laughs> you call it an affirmation. Um, here, let me find it. Um, it just, it just made me just feel very, it was sweet. Um, God, my heart is open to you. Yes, and you know where that comes from. I, that, uh, thank you. I thought that was the one. Um, it was from years ago. I was watching Oprah and uh -huh. she had John Gray on the show. And this was years ago. And he was talking about perfection. And yeah. I admit to being a recovering perfectionist. So I kind of listened up. I heard him. Yeah. And he said, um, you know, when you're trying, when you're, when you're perfect and trying to be perfect, you're just trying to be God. I'm like, oh. Is that what that means? And he said, here's an affirmation for you. And I wrote it down. And this was 30 years ago or so. And it just stuck with me. I think it resonated for me. It was an aha for me. Like, oh, yeah. geez, you know, turn it over. You know, you know, you're not meant to be God. We've already got a God. <laughs> and I think that when you talk about healing and transformation and medicine per se, mm -hmm. I I think there's this tendency, and, and I think it's a conditioned tendency to look outside of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And look mm -hmm. for someone to, yes. to, to fix it, like right. God would do, right? Mm -hmm. And look mm -hmm. for someone to solve it and look for someone to be the answer and look for right. a pill or a, a procedure or, or mm -hmm. something, an answer in mm -hmm. some way, a solution. Mm -hmm. And what I loved about that is, like you said, it's, it's an offering. You mm -hmm. offer it up and you say to God, and, and again, we talk on the show about mm -hmm. higher consciousness, the divine, right. the universe, love, whatever you want to say it. Right. As, but literally, God, my heart is open to you, meaning mm -hmm. use me, use yeah. my body and show me the wisdom that my body has that I am not able to experience or see right. because of whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and the other part of that I've been reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle it's a really oh, good yes book. I love it and uh, it just it's the still and no mm -hmm. keeps uh, I keep hearing in my head um, she had to go into a closet to learn how to be still I'm fortunate I live in the woods so the woods are my church and that's where I go to be still and no but it kind of you know follows that whole theme all of us is we have all the answers we I think that's something that COVID has taught a lot of people is to simplify yeah. 
to just be still, to know. And a lot of that frenetic activity that so many of us had has gone away. It had to go away because we were quarantined. And I think it's been a really good thing for people. Well, I think bodies are healthier. And, mm -hmm. and even if bodies aren't 100% healthier, the, the, the want, the desire yes. for health and wellness has just mm -hmm. skyrocketed for yes. all of us because we now got still and we got mm -hmm. quiet and we began mm -hmm. to observe and bear witness to yes. everything. And we started to feel different and ask those questions like, oh, wow, okay, wait a minute. I'm, I'm getting better sleep. What could be that reason? Or mm -hmm. I want to eat better. I want to go out for a walk. I want to be out in mm -hmm. nature more. I want right. to hear my, my phrase lately is let the outside in, meaning nature, mm -hmm. let the nature, mm -hmm. let the natural course mm -hmm. of things come into my heart right. and show right. me the way. Um, oh my gosh, this has been an amazing conversation. You are just brilliant. And so wise. This is this is just awesome stuff. I loved it. I appreciate that. Um, so as we wrap up, I want to ask you mm -hmm. our high five questions. Okay. Um, okay. What inspires you? Nature. I'm fascinated with hummingbirds and how they find me the same ones every single year. I'm fascinated by the colors of nature. I live in nature. And it just teaches us so much. And we again, we just have to pay attention to what nature is teaching us. And that's where I get my inspiration. Yeah, lately, my, my um, thing I feel like I'm being called to do is to go hug a tree. I don't know why, because I don't often get out in nature as much as I think my body is calling me to. Yeah, I have this huge energy towards you just need mm -hmm. to get out and hug a tree so i love that you answer that because it's a good reminder for me that i need mm -hmm. to put myself out there some more yeah uh, how do you have fun my fun is is probably different than most people um so i have a grandson so i mean <laughs> a little five-year-old it was just so much fun again i live in the woods and i have a jaw saw and i spend hours making paths in my woods and talking to the diva spirits and i have an owl that comes to see me every single time i'm in the woods oh. path for snowshoeing and for walking in the woods and garden and i just love to get dirty and get in the dirt and come home sweaty and needing a shower <laughs> and i'm sure you have fun with your five-year-old grandson boys oh my goodness areas it is so fun. I crack up all the time. He's just so fun. And he's so wise. They're so smart. Yeah. When they're little. Uh, you have to really listen because they'll tell you things that are just so incredible that make so much sense. So, I know when, when my kid, my kids are older now, but when my kids were little, I used to just laugh. I mean, they do something wrong and I'd start laughing. And I, I remember people saying, you, you need to do something about that. I'm like, how can you? That is the wisest thing I've ever heard. It makes sense. It's so, I just, he's we're so fortunate. He just lives five miles away and we have him a lot and he comes for sleepovers and we spend uh, so much time with him and, and we just love it. That's better. That's yeah. beautiful. I love that. What is one thing you cannot live without? Space. Oh. I have to have space. It goes back to our conversation, whether it's, um, Coming into my office, just chill, 
or it's space in the woods. And even when my daughter was little, my husband would say, we're gonna give mama a little space and then she'll join us in a few minutes. I need space to regroup. Without space, it doesn't have to be a lot of space. I just need space and time to regroup mm -hmm. in order to go and join the world again. I think that's so important for so many people to figure out what you need to mm -hmm. regroup, what you need to mm -hmm. recharge, what do you need mm -hmm. to feel uplifted? Because no matter who you are, whether you're highly sensitive or not, right, right, your energy gets depleted because of the world we live in. Either way, mm -hmm. so you have to know what makes you sort of recharge, and it can't be what's good for it's it's not like a one size fits all. It's right. It's right. good for you is what you need. Right. Exactly. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. What does being free mean to you? Um, I think it's an ongoing process, and I feel fortunate that I to help people be free. And I think when we are able to be authentic mm -hmm. and live an authentic life, there's a sense of freedom that comes with that. And I think we're constantly exploring what does it mean to be free. So true. And I love the way you said it's an ongoing, like it's an adventure, it's a journey, it's just mm -hmm. a continual exactly exploration discovery discovering those things mm. uh what are you grateful for oh well that's a long list um I, I would have to say especially this past year i've really learned so much about gratitude and i live in new hampshire three miles from the ocean i live in the woods i have deer and turkeys and woodchucks and hummingbirds and I'm so grateful for where I live, my space, my family. My brother-in-law lives out front. My, my daughter and son-in-law and grandson are five miles down the street. I've got wonderful neighbors. I just have got, I'm just in the perfect location. I just can't imagine living any place else and, and, and having all the things that I have. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. It just you're surrounded by love. That's just what it feels to me. You're just mm -hmm. so surrounded by mm -hmm. love. And I, and I, and I'm so happy you're able to share everything you did with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Uh, probably the best way is email quite honestly. And it's ginger at options to health.com. And it's T O not the number ginger at options to health.com. And so we will have for our listeners, we'll have all of Ginger's information on our show notes. So please reach out to her. Um, where can we get your book? Where can they get your book? They can get their book directly from me. They can either uh, email me um, and I'll ship it to them or go on my website, either it's in your face.com. That's okay. for the book. Or my other website is options to health.com and they can get the book. Okay, or they can simply contact me and um, I'll get it right in the mail to them. Great. We'll have both of those on the show notes. And so please, if you're interested, this book is so amazing. And I think it will reveal even more of who you are and, and, and what you do and why you do what you do. And it will give you such great insight. And, and it's just a really easy, fun, uh, flirty little book. That's just kind of a good, good companion. So Ginger, again, thank you so much for joining us. I'm thank so glad you for inviting me. You're welcome. This has been just a delight. And listeners, thank you so much for once again being with us on Living the Liminal. Remember, you are both student and teacher of every of your life experiences. So take what you need from today's episode and by all means, share what you learn. I love you. Peace out, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have any questions, we provide for you the show notes 
You can email me at christy at christypeck.com. Or if you are listening on the cool feature on the Anchor app, you can leave a voice comment or a voice question, and we'll be collecting those and using them on future shows. How fun would that be? You know, recently, a good friend of mine gave me this quote and a gift over the Christmas holidays, and it really has resonated with me, and I want it to be a part of our our great presence of the year 2021. Be bold enough to use your voice, brave enough to listen to your heart, and strong enough to live the life you've always imagined. Whatever you've taken from today's episode, share it with someone else. Share the learning that you're acquiring every single day by being more aware in your life, by being awakened in your life, by being brave enough in your life, by being bold enough in your life, and by being strong enough in your life because you really, really are. May you have a joyful week. Remember who you are and live the liminal. I love you. Peace out, my friends.